Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, 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 this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine, I'm Andy Dawson, Papa Pal. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? No time to mess about, life logistics, we've got a lot to get through. We, um, we What we did was, f- f- for a change, we put out a thing on the Patreon which just said, ask us anything. It doesn't even need to be a life logistic, it can be anything you've ever wanted to ask us. And some of the it's responses, Sam... It's some of the responses, treat. Sam, have been have been facile, unwanted, um, pointless, trivial. Uh, there's a few good ones in there, but for the majority of them, Jesus Christ. I mean, we'll do our best, but fucking hell. We don't deal with trivia. We no. we only deal with life's bigger questions, really. You're certainly you know, wasting your access to us if you ask us something trivial. Yeah, I mean, we'll highlight one or two of them, I think, throughout the episode. Before okay. we get to them, there's still some stuff left in the emails uh, as well on the life logistics side of things. Mm. Uh, mm, this is a weird one. You might be able to answer this one, actually, Sam, more than myself. It's from um, <clears throat> James, and he says... He, well, there's some preamble, which I'll not go all the way through. He recently gave up drinking, blah, blah, mm. blah. Um, <clears throat> it's not too hard, he says. He's got a 17-month-old kid, which obviously, mm. being sober, when you've got a 17 month old kids easier than being pissed uh, he says the worst effect of sobriety I found is the extreme tiredness when socialising mm. now you mm. like to have a nap when you go to a family gathering don't you so this could uh, tie do, in with yeah. your lifestyle he says I'm pretty sociable until about 9.30pm at which point mm-hmm. I feel like I've been kicked in the head and just want to sleep I find it difficult mm. to move around and I can't think of anything to talk about if I'm out with a <laughs> wife I get it. if I'm out with a wife I get it in the neck for being antisocial and yawning all the time I've tried everything. <laughs> Afternoon naps in preparation, coffee, Sudafed. That's everything. Yeah. Sudafed, wow. He, he says, do you have any <laughs> tips for wading off the tiredness or is it a lost cause? Well, how long does he say he's been sober for? Not not that long, He just right? says recently. Yeah, yeah, recently. So this was something that I remember really well when I first gave up uh, drinking for the first, I don't know how long it lasted, but certainly the first couple of months at least. I was basically asleep at all times and I genuinely think I genuinely think it was like my body just fucking saying right time to like um, what does Doctor Who do regenerate right I genuinely think that and I think and I've heard it's quite common and you just sort of like your body has to readjust because you've been managing your body's energy levels in artificial ways right and yeah, yeah. so it sort of unlearned a lot. So it has to recalibrate. 
By the way, as I always say, I am not a doctor, not officially. Um, <laughs> I I do. Let's just say I am in my mind. I am a doctor, and I perceive you to be a yeah, doctor as say, well, not you, just you, a medical doctor. You, yeah, there's all kinds of doctors. There's there's like Sherman as well, isn't there? You know, we aren't medically qualified, yeah. but um, you know, give a good advice. I think that's what we I'm are. not a doctor. I have to say that to cover myself legally in case you do follow any of my advice and die and your estate try to sue me. Mm. However, I would say as a caveat to that, that, that you probably should follow my advice. Anyway, yeah. I, no, I just think that, uh, I don't know what it is, but it's really, what you're going through is something that I remember really well, just being asleep all the time. Now, nowadays, yeah, I do like a nap, but it's not out of control. To be honest, the reason I sleep at family get-togethers is because... I just can't be asked talking to all of <laughs> my relatives. Not a, I, I, it's not that like I don't like them. It's like mm. I like talking to them individually or in small groups. But mm. when everyone's all together standing, in, I just there's various things about it I don't enjoy. So I just I prefer to shut down my body and yeah. my mind. Right, shut it down. <laughs> right, because you know me. I'm living out loud. If I'm awake, yeah, yeah. Right, I will not struggle for things to talk about. But yeah. sometimes the things I talk about. They're the sort of things that we talk about. You understand it. The campers understand it. But some of my family, they look quizzical mm. when I might talk for a long time about digging or Dick can Turpin I, can, or something can I suggest, like that. Can I suggest something? Is the reason mm. possibly because there's such a large crowd of people and that you are not the centre of attention, so therefore That's, you've yeah. decided to that, remove yeah. yourself? And I'm not, I'm not going to use the word flounce, but you've it's decided... Not a flounce, to, no. You decided to remove yourself from the situation because you cannot be front and centre the whole time. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. Um, because <laughs> I'll like think, all these other people are talking about boring shit. They want to be listening to the sort of shit I've got to say. And then I think, oh, say, well, fuck you? them. Yeah. They don't deserve it. So then I'll just go and shut my body down. <laughs> yeah. But in all, And the reason it's not a flounce is... I do it before a flounce is even on the cards. So in the past, I might have gone in, tried to impose my personality on the situation, right? And if it doesn't get traction immediately, then I will flounce. So now what I do is I don't even bother trying. I just go straight into my nap room. Um, Anyway, none of which, none of that's really relevant to James. James, what I would say is a couple of things. One is I think your body will recalibrate if you stick at sobriety and you will end up having, if anything, an excess of energy. But you do have to wait. It doesn't happen overnight. And um, so it's well worth it. Sobriety prize. Exactly. And it is a sobriety prize. And then the other things is like struggling for things to talk about. Well, I mean, look, for fuck's sake, right? If... If you only had energy or subject matter to talk about when you had booze inside of you, then that is not... Then you've got to fucking think that that is... That's shit stuff that you were saying, so you shouldn't miss it. Mm. You shouldn't miss the stuff mm. you were saying or doing when you were pissed up because mm. that was just contrived artificial stuff. You will find your way. I mean, I didn't know about all of my main passions in life and interests until my the fog of... Um, of toxins that had overwhelmed my mind for so long. It was only then that I remembered the stuff that really meant a lot to me, like digging and interesting ghosts, birds, not women, but, you know, actual birds with wings flying about, the business of cats, 
these are subjects that it takes a while for your mind to start like rem- remembering the stuff of things. <laughs> the stuff of things, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the stuff of things by Sam Delaney. That's what we should call this podcast. A life of passion and beauty. Keeps <laughs> the name of this podcast the stuff of things. Stuff of uh, things is a great name for a podcast. Uh, um, also, anyway, uh, while well, before I forget, shut my body down would be a great pop funk nineteen eighties hit. Maybe like <laughs> Jimmy and Stewart, someone like that. He did. We don't have yeah. to take our clothes off. Just follow up. Shut my body down. <laughs> It's we an 80s, <laughs> 80s pop soul classic. Yeah. Definitely Shut the singers. My body down. <laughs> <laughs> Straight in at number 12 in the charts. All the way from Philadelphia in the, in the United States. This is, <laughs> this is Jermaine LaFrew with Shut My Body Down. <laughs> And the uh, Philly Soul Machine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, my advice is stick at it. Uh, rediscover the real, authentic passions and interests that exist, things, yeah. that exist within in you, the stuff of things. And may I say, while we're on this subject, that, you know, the cat community is obviously something that I'm very passionate about in my local area. <laughs> and... The- yeah. <laughs> While I'm on the subject, I, I discovered yeah. two amazing cat facts, which okay. should be a new section with its own sting on this okay. podcast. Cat facts, right? Yeah. Um, one, there was a cat called Gypsy that I right. thought belonged to the school because it was just always hanging about in the school. school when, you went, when you went in through the gates in the morning, Gypsy, who looked about a million years old, right? It's all yeah. flea bitten and, and that. It was always just sat on a little bench as a sort of a greeting cat as you walk through the gate. So you'd walk through and everyone just go, all right, Gypsy, morning. And they go, <laughs> like that, right? Morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, morning, the kids. Keep the noise down. Right. I thought Gypsy was a school cat. And then years later, I found out that Gypsy, in fact, belonged to a kid in my daughter's class who lived across the street. And he was just so fucking bananas because he was so ancient. Mm. He kind of thought the school was his home as well because it was so near. So he he went, he, he generally went home to Kip at the end of the day, but he spent his daytime hours mainly in the school. Patrolling and I said, the yeah. school. I said, it's a quite quite mad that Gypsy was like the school's cat. And my yeah. daughter revealed to me that when she was at that school, it used to like just come into lessons. And like, if they were doing like computer studies or like, you know, anything practical, it would do a classic cat thing and just like, jump up and climb over what they were doing or sit on the keyboard, you know, like cats do, right? Yeah. And the teachers didn't do anything, right? Yeah. Because it had it had these special privileges. Gypsy, it would just fucking walk about and do as it pleased. <laughs> fucking access all areas, mate. Do what I fucking want in this place. I've got more privileges than the fucking headmaster. Right, so anyway, I was, um, I was astonished by that, and that's Gypsy, who is now dead. But then oh, it that, right, that led to Gypsy. another conversation about the library. In the local library, there's a cat, 
right, yeah. who reckons he fucking owns the place and right. he just wanders in off the street and just does a fucking cat. wander about and goes up to people and gets on their laps while they're reading a book, <laughs> fucking climbs up on the shelves and then, and again, the library staff do nothing because it's the library cat. It's like, all right, cons, having a fucking good time in my library, are you? I'm just here to have a little look around. Make sure everything's being fucking run proper. I pop me head in <laughs> once or twice a week. Right. <laughs> but that's a good bonus, isn't it? A library cat. It is. It is. There's been an, um, a bit of extra info from, um, obviously, me, me kids have got two houses and they've mm. got three cats around at their mum's. And there's yeah. another local cat which has emerged on the scene which comes into the garden now and kind of hangs out yeah. with them a bit. And yeah. uh, he'll, he'll go over and he lets me daughter uh, pick him up stroke him and all that sort of thing very friendly oh that's nice and, we've, and he's got his name on his uh, on his collar and his name is is Peter Peter the Pete. cat Peter the yes. cat <laughs> that's an amazing cat hello name. I'm Peter I'm you in town Peter <laughs> oh Peter what have you done now <laughs> I've always loved well, the idea of calling a, a cat or a dog John yeah <laughs> yeah funny isn't it well we called the dog we called the dog Jeff for three days when we first got oh, him. that's good. And yeah. it, it just didn't stick. So he ended up with Oscar. But I think, mm. you know, I regret that now. I might change it back. It's dead easy to change a dog's name. It only takes about a week. Yeah, and the dog doesn't give a fuck. You just start calling it by the new name and they get it eventually. He's like, fuck, is that, what, piece of piss. is that what I'm called now, Dad? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. S- yeah, that's the what you're called. And stop fucking calling me Dad. I'm not your dad. <laughs> you are to me. You've been like a dad to me. Oh, shut the fuck up, you needy cunt. <laughs> exactly like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm having a look, see anyway, if there's any other... What? You got James, there? I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it does. I think it does. <laughs> that cat chat. Uh, right, what else have we got? Let's have a look in the... Um, on the Patreon mailbag. On the Patreon, ask us anything thing. Right, oh, I'll just start with the first one. Darren Nugent says, if you could set up your dream radio station, what presenters would you have and what time slots would you put them in? Fucking hell. There's a lot of admin in that question, isn't there? Mm. I'd have the yeah. ghost of Kenny Everett. I'd bring him back. Um, I'd have uh, Jason Cundy would be on, obviously, doing a football. Um, <laughs> fucking hell, I don't know. Jesus I wouldn't Christ. have Cundy doing the football. I would have him doing more like... Just lifestyle. Life logistics. Yeah. Um, yeah, Candy, Everett. Who else is good on the radio? Mostly um, dead people, innit? Uh, Move on. You know, on. over the years, the radio shows I've liked have been... Well, to be honest, like, you, I mean, you probably won't agree with this, but when Christian O'Connell was on XFM years ago, like in the noughties, it was mm. fucking funny. It was I never really heard funny. it, so I don't know. I never it heard was, it. Oh yeah, because it's a London station, and then he and then he went to absolute, and it was still all right. But I didn't really ever listen to that station because I didn't like the music. But in the noughties, Christian O'Connell was on XFM, and he was really really funny. <clears throat> uh, the best 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 radio I've ever ever heard was Danny Baker and Danny Kelly on Talksport in the mid nineties. Oh uh, yeah, be I never the, I never listened to um, oh, Talksport back then. It was so good. It's as close to what we do here as anything I've ever heard before. Right. And since uh, they used to do a pre-match show from about um, eleven till about one, I think, and then they spend mm. the afternoon in the pub, and then they do five thirty to seven. 
Oh, yeah. uh, post-match. It was fucking great. Loads of those shows are on on the internet if you look for them. And they're, they're just magnificent. Brilliant radio. Pff, anything else? Don't know. Not ready first. Don't like radio much. It's too much of it. I, I like I, I like six music, as I've said lots of times. I like I like um, Desert Island Disc, but only the good ones, because like, a lot of times of they go, oh, this woman was a scientist, and I'm like, I don't yeah. care what records she wants to take to a fucking island. What films was she in? Is she famous? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like the ones just about mainstream celebrity. Actually, Danny Baker's one's a particularly good one. Yeah. But as I've said before, the best ones are Kenneth Williams, who I think did two, and right. they're both absolute fucking knockout. Uh, they'll still be available, then I guess, because the whole archive. Oh, on all of them are. Online. If you go on, if you go on BBC Sounds or whatever, they've got the full archive. It's incredible. You can listen to any fucker. You, you can listen wow. to Paul McCartney doing it in like nineteen eighty one. You know, you you've got. Um, funny enough, you've got Kings. We were talking about Kingsley Amos recently, but because he wrote that funny thing about Roald Dahl, <laughs> yeah. you can listen to him. Is there a Roald um, Dahl one? There be. probably is. I can't remember. I would have thought I'd have listened to that because I have listened. I've gone right back deep into the archive to when Roy Promley did it, who's like the worst interviewer of all time. Yeah. He goes, and tell me what happened then. And they'll go, well, you know, um, I had a very complex... Um, I've, ne- I've, never, I've never told anyone this before, Roy, but um, my father revealed to me when I was uh, 15 that he wasn't my <clears> real father and that my real father had died on a mission to kill Hitler in 1943 and blah, blah. And, and his last, his, his, his dying wish was for this other man to raise me as his own. And I only discovered this at 15 and it changed my life forever. And I've never told anyone this before. And Roy Bromley would just go, I see. And what is your next record? <laughs> Roy Bromley sitting there reading the telegraph. Well, yeah. well, oh, oh, do get on with it. I've got lunch booked in after this. I don't want to be late. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Roald Dahl did do it uh, with Roy Plumley in 1979, and it is on it is on the internet. So we'll have to listen to that later. Oh on. yeah, I might get listen to that this afternoon. Inside the mind of uh, of Roald Dahl. Yeah. Jalapeno. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jalapeno. This is the one for you, Sam. Felix says, Our adverts now shit compared to the ones directors like Ridley Scott and Alan Parker worked on in the 70s and 80s, mm. or is it just that we remember the good ones? Now, Alan Parker, of course, recently passed away. 
uh, and he was massive in adverts. He, he, he probably changed adverts, didn't he? He did, yeah. He was the best one of all of them. And what's interesting is, is that he's also by a mile, like the le- was the least sort of up himself or pretentious or show off mm. about it. Like advertising's full of like awful dickheads, and they all convince each other that they're making great art, even though obviously almost all lads are sort of unintelligent, unfunny uh, blights <laughs> on our culture. But Adam Parker, do you know what? Adam Parker was from North London, Islington, and his dad was a uh, worked on the railways painting railings, right? So people right. used to say to him, what did your father do? And he went, he was mm. a painter. And they go, oh, that's wonderful. What sort of painting? And he goes, well, he <laughs> was quite avant-garde. impressionist. <laughs> and he would go, well, he was quite avant-garde. He only worked in one colour. And they go, oh, fascinating. What colour was it? And he went, grey. And I went, oh. And why was that? He goes, well, because he worked for the railways, he had to paint the railings grey. <laughs> right. But he he's a fantastic story because the one good thing about advertising was it's a, it was, especially then, not now, it was a meritocracy, right? Mm. So it was the first big British industry that allowed in, like, working-class people to top jobs, mm. particularly in the 60s and 70s because they realised as consumerism boomed that they had to speak to teenagers and young people who weren't mm. necessarily posh themselves. So it became clear to the companies and their clients, fuck, we need to talk to people in their own language and we can't do that if we're just full of, like, fucking Ox- Oxbridge graduates, right? Mm-hmm. So they started desperately looking around. So Alan Parker was working in the post room of an advertising agency, right? And he'd go around just dishing out the fucking letters and because he'd left school at, like, 15 with no qualifications and he'd go into the top bloke, the Don Draper type person's office, and he'd see all the ideas from his creative staff laid out on the desk, and he'd pick them up and look at them and think, fuck me, this is a load of old shit, isn't it? Right? <laughs> and he thought to himself, fucking hell, but these these lads are having a right good time. They all seem to get paid a lot more than I do, and they go mm. out for long lunches. I could do better than this. So he started doing his own ones and leaving them on the desk of the creative director anonymously. Right. Creative director sees them and starts going, who the fuck's doing these? There's one geek that all these ideas I'm being given are shit apart from one bloke. Who, and anyway, he tracks him down. It's the lad in the poster and they can't believe it. So he offers him a fucking job and quadruples his salary overnight. Mm. Alan Parker becomes like a machine who's just knocking these fucking ads out nonstop because he writes in his own, to a larger extent, because he wrote in his own dialogue. He spoke in yeah. a London sort of, you know, dialect and was funny. And had a, uh, an amusing turn of phrase. So these ads, he was just fucking making no falling out of his ass because he didn't dress it up in anything. So he became the top guy in the industry when he was still quite young. And then he decided to become a director. And the thing that he did as a director that was unusual is he started casting people outside of London. So if you look at ads in the 60s, right. they're all like, all the people in them are kind of Margot and Jerry from The Good Life. And all of the voiceovers are always like this, right? And Alan Parker became a director and he would send casting agents anywhere but London, right? And he wouldn't cast actors either. He'd cast real people. Mm-hmm. So they did those. His, his really famous ads at first were the ones that were, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, the Was it Findus or Birdseye where it was two kids always sat at a table eating burger and chips? And it was two yeah. kids. And he'd go like, my mom says that if I eat Finder's crispy pancakes, 
then you know, then I'll get them. Then Father Christmas will remember me and all that sort of stuff, right? And they were funny little like sketches almost. Yeah. And he made them because you'd go out of London and cast different people who looked like real people and spoke like real people, and mm. so the ads were really successful. Not just because they were funny and won awards, but they like they were really successful for people like Birdseye and Findus because they were like. So that was Alan Parker, who's like a top fucking bloke. And yes, the ads were better then because of that because they were really funny. And now ads are all for global brands. They don't want humour. They don't. Funny enough, they don't want dialogue because they want to make one ad that can translate anywhere around the world. Right. So they want as little dialogue as possible. Whereas in the seventies and eighties, all the funny ads like for Mash Get Smash, the George remember, the Hofmeister yeah. Bear. All those funny beer adverts they used to be, they used to actually make you laugh. It's because they were all dialogue-driven. So, right. But anyway, Alan Parker was a great guy. And the last thing I'll say in that little lesson about um, the ad industry was uh, the two rivals, Ridley Scott and Alan Parker, in the 70s, they both came up through the ranks, both working class. Ridley Scott from the northeast, of course, Alan Parker from London. And they were these two working class guys who just fucking went like rocket ships, right? And they were massive rivals, right? Parker and Scott because mm. they were both like and they, they had these things like Alan Parker was the comedy one who could do really good dialogue and Ridley Scott was the one who was a, a beautiful visual artist right and they tell this story where he goes um, if a if an ad, if a script came through from an advertising agency and it said we open on a beautiful Caribbean beach at sunset that was a script that Ridley Scott would always get and if it says we open on a dreary, run-down kitchen <laughs> in a council estate, <laughs> you know, in Sheffield, that's like Alan Parker's script, Alan right? Parker's. And Alan Parker was really fucked off about it because he got as much work and as many awards as Ridley Scott, but he never got to go to nice places. But the, in the industry, those ones that Alan Parker did that were always like two people in a kitchen, whether it was for washing up liquid or frozen meals or whatever – they were generally uh, called two C cats, which meant two cunts in a kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> which I think has got a great, it's got a great John, John, uh, Sir John Fanny powder ring to it, hasn't it? But that's what they called it. They go, they'd literally go in the other. I've got a great two C K script if uh, you want to get it uh, made. Two cunts in a fucking kitchen. Bang! Knock it out. Send it over to Parkast. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, uh, right. Message from Jamie. Should I move in with my fiance next door to my in-laws to be? They've offered us the house to rent while we save up for... Exactly. They've offered us the house to rent while we save up for a family home. My mother-in-law bakes cakes, cooks and grows veg, etc. My father-in-law's retired and has his own workshop where he tinkers with bikes and cars. Can you see any negatives? Negatives are flashing all over the fucking shop there. Um, mm. Also worried I won't want to leave as it's a cottage in a little village and I bloody love it up there. Any advice? Well, if anything, it's going to inspire you to save up for the house for yourself, I think, because I can only see you being incredibly irritated by them within about three weeks maximum. There's also a control issue, isn't there? There's a control issue. When yeah. the in-laws get involved, although it's on the, on the face of it, it's nice that they're going to help out financially. On on the other side, a lot of them that will come. It that it comes with strings attached, and mm-hmm. suddenly they're in control of shit because you get a lot of parents who are obsessed with controlling. They're not even knocking on the door. They're letting themselves in. Oh my god! Left, right, and centre at any time, night or day. 
I heard, you know, like, I heard that when Ashley Cole was married to Cheryl Cole, that, like, her mum, who was quite notorious, like, they had a very, very, very close relationship, Cheryl Cole and her, and her mum, and she took her mum everywhere with her, which is nice. But mm. Ashley Cole, he was like, he lived in a house. They didn't have kids, so it was just the three of them, him, Cheryl, and the mum, mm. right, out in Surrey somewhere. And it drove him... It was driving him mental. And um, I, the anecdotally, the thing that when he realised, no, this can't go on, and they realised the marriage was just fucked, right? He was playing FIFA in the front room, right? After a hard <laughs> day's training for Chelsea, right? The mum walks in because it's time for her soaps, right? It has my soaps. Right, <laughs> right, and uh, do you know what she, this is? I mean, I'm. I, by the way, I'm sure this is bullshit, but I just found it such a funny story that apparently she just walked in and, without saying anything, <laughs> she just pulled the wires out from the fucking FIFA from the PlayStation to TV. She just yanked them. She didn't even say anything to. Him. She just walked in and went yank, and they fucking wires came out the TV, and she switched to the fucking EastEnders. <laughs> and he was like fuck me that was when I knew <laughs> this marriage was at an end <laughs> right that's it I'm going to have to go and have multiple affairs <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell um, so just beware in-laws yank it one minute they're offering to cover your rent the next minute mm. they're yanking your wires out mate I mean, I don't know what Jamie's situation is. Does he work? Is he working from home at the moment? You've got to just bear in mind. Also, as well, if you do turn down their very kind offer, which is a kind offer, then is there going to be any kind of lingering resentment afterwards? Because you've knocked them back on that. I would mm. I would accept it, but I would use it as an incentive to uh, save up for your, your own place. Yeah, exactly. Don't let it drag on. I mean, I know people who've, like, given, like, rich parents who said, like, we'll give you a house or we'll pay your whole deposit. And then after that, fuck me, they're round like nobody's business. They're deciding yeah, they're deciding how you parent the kids. Do you know what I mean? Jesus Christ. I, I know one set of parents that vetoed the name choice of um, the kid. Really? You see what I mean? What? Uh, we they they rang up. They rang up. Um, a mate of mine. They said, "Listen, um, we really don't. We've been talking overnight, and we really, really don't like the name that you've chosen for the baby." Fucking. And he's hell. like, "All oh, right, okay. Well, we kind of made our minds up, and it's sort of our choice." And they go, "Well, I think that we have earned the right to sort of have a say in this sort of thing. It is our grandchild, and it more or less inferred. Listen, we helped you out with the deposit on your house, so." I think you'll find we fucking name we, the child. It's like Rosemary's daughter shit, rights. that. Yeah, we've got naming rights to the baby. <laughs> That's what we purchased. Check the small print, cunt. <laughs> Quid pro quo, mate. Have a look. <laughs> wow. Uh, finally, one from another James here. Hello, cunts. I have an increasingly hairy body, albeit with an entirely bald head. I'm fairly comfortable with most of this extra foliage, other than that growing on my back. I made what now looks like an error last year in shaving my back before a foreign holiday and it has since grown with a vengeance. Any ideas on how to curtail its incessant growth? Ah, uh, just don't worry about it, man. Fucking hell. It's just some hair. Yeah. I don't have a hairy back. Um, 
um, but some people assume that everyone does. Like um, one of my mate's wives said to my wife, oh, I bet, oh, God, it's a nightmare, isn't it, when you have to shave your fella's back? And my wife went, I've never had to do that. And she went, what, does Sam just let it grow out? And she went, no, he doesn't have a hairy back. And she was incredulous. She went, oh, come off it. Like that. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, he just doesn't. Sure. I wouldn't lie about it. And you go, that's utter bollocks. Of course he's got a fucking hairy back. Why is he being so vain not admitting it? I'm like, look, I'll admit plenty of stuff. I've got all sorts of weird shit on my body. I mean, you've all heard about my wart issues, right? Which yeah, I'd have. argue is more disgusting than a hairy back. But I'm just saying I don't have a hairy back. So, you know, I don't know how to fix it. But sometimes you've just got to say, you know, yeah, I've got a hairy back. Let it all hang out. I've I think some of our listeners back. are younger I've got, than I've, us. I've, I've got like sort of very fine hairs on my back that have grown over the years. Mm. They weren't there when I was a younger man. They've emerged as I've gone into middle age. I'm not fucking arsed about them. My main worry about my back is how to put sun cream on it when I'm on holiday. Because yeah. I'm a single man. Do you know what I mean? It's not If you miss a bit, you're burnt, you're fucked. That's it. Yeah, but I wouldn't sunbathe on my... Um on my front I mean I'd be like in the sea but what I quickly do is I try to get in quite deep so only my shoulders are out the top <laughs> I do and then it as just, soon as I'm out of the sea just, I cover up again just prowl around in the sea just this head floating around on the on the yeah. surface I'm a sea prowler mate a bald head just seeing my little bald head bob, okay. bobbing around sea prowler but no seriously I think a lot of our a lot of our listeners are, are younger than us and that uh, in the younger generations, there's a lot more um, ob- obsessive attention to detail about the male mm. appearance. Like when we were younger, life was easy. We lived mm. in the pa- the patriarchy was really strong, uh, which was a bad thing. But the point I'm making is, is that everything in culture surrounded like sort of bullying women into thinking that they had to aspire to physical perfection, right? Mm. And men just didn't have to. But then like consumerist culture got to the point where they're like, right, we've, we've, we've bullied women to the absolute maximum we can profiteer out of it. So yeah. how can we expand our profits further? Let's try and do the same thing to young men, right? Mm. So then they started doing the same thing to young men. Now, we didn't have to go through that because when we were younger, the like marketing and stuff hadn't cottoned on to like hassling us about our appearance. The, the attitude was, you can look like what you fucking want, mate. The mm. women will still come flocking. The most I mean? exotic product was probably Lynx deodorant, and that was as far as it went. Yeah, exactly. Stick a bit of fucking brute on before you go up the yeah. nightclub, and you're, you're good to go, mate. But just, mate, I hope she's had a manicure, had everything fucking plucked, been on a diet. Do you know what I mean? Put on her wonder bra, right? And then suddenly oh, it's like, but so now I'm mm. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that both men and women should just be free to fucking look how they want, right? Um, but basically they've performed the same trick on young men. And now young men, we we did an episode before, didn't we, about how, I can't remember why, but I went through a phase of suspecting my pubes were Millwall. You did, yeah, they turned against you, yeah. They, my pubes turned against me, and I had to shave them off. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, but it was because I was in the office once, and... People were talking about showing their pubes. They're all younger than me. Oh, that's like, yeah. T- yeah. I said, "What are you fucking talking about?" And I'm not joking, right? The the lads, more than the women, were astonished, right, that I openly said, as if it was just, "Oh, I don't fucking show my pubes. I've never shown my pubes in my life. What's the point?" Right? They were like astonished. It was like I'd said, "I mean, what would it be like?" It'd be like I said, oh, "I never used the, o- I never wash 
It was like, mm. that's what I... They said that... They were like, looking at me like, that's disgusting, mate. I still can't get my head around that, you know. That that's, Shaving that's your pubes? The thing. That, that's the done yeah, thing Yeah, well, I did, it, I did it once after that because I thought, I'll give it a go, see what all the fuss is about, didn't I? Because you're Britain's top <laughs> journalist, obviously, yeah. I thought, I'll give it a go, see what the fuss is about. Everyone says it's great. Let's fucking see, shall we? And I think it was just once, maybe twice I did it. I reported it on the podcast at the time. And um, I've never gone back to it. Because what's the point? Do you know what I mean? Didn't didn't add anything to my life at all. Well, it it comes back to what we were saying last week. It's almost as if among the young people, it's the done thing. And as we've said, there is no done thing. There is no done thing. The done thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay, that's it. Time to shut up shop now for uh, another week of life logistics. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have some more next yeah, week. Yeah, we've solved your problems. Get your problems and questions and all that in, and we'll do some more next time. TTFN, dickheads, all the best. Yeah, keep it county, lads and ladies. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.